electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to America. I'm Bill and my friends. I'm just trying to save you some money. My job, not just to entertain, but put it in context. So call me 1-800-743-CBC. Tweet me at Jim Kramer. Nobody, I mean nobody believes me when I say the Fed chief, Jay Powell, wants your portfolio to go down because it's too cruel. I mean, how could anyone ever try to hurt your precious stocks? What kind of public officials want you to have less money and feel less confident about your retirement? The Federal Reserve, that's who. And after another not-so-hot day where the Dow declined 147 points, S&P said 1.06%, NASDAQ lost 1.73%. You need to recognize that Jay Powell wants you to be worried about your job so you're less likely to job hop for a higher salary. That's wage inflation. Though job hopping has become increasingly difficult as Amazon announces a hiring freeze of corporate, Ford's Cannon, white collar workers, Lyft's laying off 13% of its workforce, there's job freezes everywhere. And that's just the beginning. Because every time the Fed raises interest rates, they're opening the floodgates, yes, for more layoffs. Right now, Powell's terrified of persistently high inflation and to crush inflation, he needs to wreck the whole economy. He wants people to come back to work after taking various COVID buyouts or government handouts because we've got a massive labor shortage. Makes sense. He doesn't want you using your portfolio to finance a new house or even just doing a renovation. The way to do that is by pushing stocks lower. Powell's bringing the pain. Yes, he's bringing the darn pain. The house of pain. Because it really is the only tool he has to stamp out inflation. But every time I explain this, people always stop me and say, I mean, come on, Kramer, you're kidding, right? I mean, like, you're like kidding. Set the ball game and say, come on, Kramer, you're kidding, right? He doesn't want the stock market. Well, that's ridiculous. He doesn't care about the market. If any, he wants the stock market to go up. That just isn't true. And you know what? I finally got it. We got conclusive proof at yesterday's press conference with the Fed. It came during Powell's talk with reporters, a painful interchange that he uses to bludgeon his points home. Here's the setting. When Powell issued his terse statement at 2 p.m., 
where he raised interest rates by another three-quarters of a point. He included some mystifying language about how he's cognizant that there's a time lag between when the Fed tightens and when it impacts the economy. And that lag creates complications. Some knuckleheaded traders immediately assume that, that somehow that was Powell's way of giving them the all-clear signal that he's almost done tightening and that it was time to stocks. So the market roared right in the press conference. The buyers, what they did was they jumped the gun. They wanted to be ready in case Powell explained that it was too risky to keep raising rates so rapidly because of the lag factor, a statement that would allow stocks to roar through the end of the year. They thought Powell would blink and throw in the towel on the war against inflation. But then a funny thing happened. Midway through the press conference, the market gave up its bountiful gains and went lower, as Powell reminded us that he's a super hawk, not a lovey-dovey. That also in the middle of the press conference, a reporter without access to current quotes who didn't know the market was rolling over said, it looks like the stock market and bond markets are reacting positively to your announcement so far. Is that something you wanted to see? Is that a problem or what? How that might affect your future policy to see this positive reaction? Now listen to Powell's answer and listen closely because it proves my point. Here's what he says, quote, what I'm trying to do, he tells the reporter, is make sure that our message is clear, which is that we think we have a ways to go. We have some ground to cover with interest rates before we get to that level of interest rates that we think is sufficiently restrictive. He went on to explain the level of rates that we estimated in September. The incoming data suggests that actually going to be higher. And that's been the pattern. And, quote, that's the worst thing he could ever say for the stock market. In other words, if anything, he wants to tighten more, not less than he did two months ago. A sentence later, Powell explains, and I quote again, I would also say it's premature to discuss pausing. And it's not something that we're thinking about. That's really not a conversation to be had now, end quote. In short, don't even talk about pausing the rate hikes, let alone say that I mean, you want to do it for the stock market. Rather than worrying about tightening too much, Powell made it crystal clear that he's worried about the mistake of not doing enough or the mistake of withdrawing our strong policy and doing that too soon. Powell usually is a calm guy, but this was maybe the most frustrated I've ever seen him. To sum it up, he admitted, he, an admittedly clueless reporter asked if Powell actually wanted the stock market higher because that's where he thought it was. It was. And Powell showed his true colors with a statement basically saying, are you kidding me? I don't want the market higher. I am anti-inflation, and if that kills the market, so be it. The idea, just the idea that stocks might be rallying on his Jeremiah seemed to horrify Powell. So he revealed himself as one of the biggest inflation hawks out there. Next thing you know, right when Powell has finished his most bearish soliloquy since he took the job, an orderly decline turns into a full-fledged rout. As the clowns who bought stocks up on the initial statement dumped them furiously right into the press conference. Now I searched for reasons why Powell would turn so harshly on, on this reporter who was simply trying to find out if he was happy at the stock market liked this statement. And I came to the conclusion that I've been pushing endlessly. The Fed doesn't just want the stock market lower. They need it lower because lower stock pr- prices make it more difficult for companies to finance their growth. And we don't need a lot of growth right now. We don't need any. 
If Powell's going to beat inflation, he needs everybody to spend less, and that very much includes business. Of course, lower stock portfolios mean less spending for individuals, and he needs that too. To me, Powell's comments mean that you should prefer bonds over stocks here, that the two-year Treasury is a better bet than Take-Two Interactive, the five-year superior to 5.9. He wants to stop it with the wealth creation, start it with the wealth preservation. I actually think he's right for the long term. This interchange reveals Powell as someone who thinks that higher prices are inflationary, and he doesn't like inflation anywhere, anywhere at all, including the stock market. Hey, this guy probably likes his tires flat, his floaties deflated. Now, of course, he's talking about stocks as a group. His comments, though, mean that the Fed's far from tightening, from done tightening, which means you've got to keep selling the tech because that's the most speculative group out there. And he's killing speculation. When it looks increasingly cyclical, too, as we see the results this earnings season seem very affected by the slowdown. Instead, you've got, got to circle the wagons around the banks, the oils, the health cares, the consumer products. Those stocks, like Elf that we have one tonight, can go up without causing inflation because they're more conservative and less, well, I don't know, crazy. The Dow Jones Industrial Average is filled with relatively cheap stocks because traders assume these 30 old line companies are the most vulnerable to recession. But that's just not true. That's wrong. The Dow components all know how to handle recession. Silicon Valley, on the other hand, has forgotten how to cope with the downturn if it ever even knew how to do it the first time. Let's call them Silicon Salmon because the bears are ripping off their darn heads and eating them. Here's the bottom line. Fed Chief j Powell doesn't want you making money in the market right now. He wants you to curb your enthusiasm for stocks, maybe even bury your capital in treasuries. And he certainly doesn't want you to interpret any of his comments as an all-clear signal to buy stocks. The only time I've ever seen Powell nearly lose his temper was yesterday, when someone got the impression that he was aiding the cause of the bulls. You can bet he'll never make that mistake ever again. Brandon in New York. Oh, Brandon! Hey, Jim, how are you? Brandon, I'm real good. How about you? Good. Uh, I'm interested in the electric vehicle space, and I'm currently in uh, Rivian Automotive. I bought it at some right. highs and lows, but I was wondering how you think the industry will perform in production over the next year and if it's a good time to buy, sell, or hold. Well, I'm not as uh, bearish as Adam Jonas today, uh, who basically put out a piece saying, look, we may be at a moment, a moment where there's just too much EV worry. I will say this. You're in a speculative stock. And speculative stocks are not doing well, and I am avoiding speculative stocks even if I like their products. Let's go to Stefan in Nevada. Stefan. Yes, Jim, thank you. Um, uh, Goodyear Tire just missed earnings. Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, GT? Disappointing. Disappointing. I had higher hopes. I thought they had a better control of things. I was wrong. Let's go to Robert in New York. Robert. Booyah, Jim. When are we going to get an by you? Which one? When are we going to get in our book? When are you going to write in our book? Oh, another book, man. I'm trying to write one. Jeez, you know, the wife, the wife. Lisa's not that happy <laughs> as me spending so much time doing that stuff anymore. What's going on? How can I help? Uh, with the possible food shortages that the media is reporting, what is your take on Conagra brands? Well, remember, Conagra's more of a taker. They, they, they need prices lower. Uh, if you really believe there's food shortage, then you got to buy a fertilizer stock like a Mosaic. Uh, or even better, I would buy Deer, GE, which is a total winner. Pal doesn't want you making money in the market right now. Uh, look, what can I do? He doesn't. The last thing he's doing is aiding the cause of the bulls. We learned that yesterday for certain. Man, money tonight. Qualcomm struggled today after earnings. Is there more to the story that the tweets not telling you? 
I'm digging deeper with the company's top brands. Then ELF Beauty just hit a 52-week high. I'm finding out more about the secret sauce for the cosmetics company with the CEO. And believe me, it's nothing conventional. And semiconductor stocks are the talk of the tape this week. I'm discussing where the government stands on the Chips Act with Commerce Secretary Gina Raimondo. So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact. Smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash mad money. Just go to Indeed.com slash mad money right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash mad money. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. shame in this business there's just no such thing as a good house in a bad neighborhood i want you to consider the case of qualcomm this is the high quality semiconductor company that's a key supplier for all smartphones the internet of things the auto industry incredibly well run but the semiconductor industry is getting killed here which is why we've been unloading our semi exposure for the charitable trust even so little qualcomm okay we kept most of our position in this one because the stock just is too darn cheap but we figured how much worse can it get Last night, Qualcomm reported a more or less inline quarter, but its guidance for the current period came in below expectations, sent the stock down more than 7% today. They're dealing with a tough economic environment, elevated inventory, and weakening demand, which is not what you want to see, obviously. Qualcomm stock is back down to its levels, lowest level since the summer of 2020. So do we need to brace ourselves for more pain ahead, or has it been punished enough? 
Let's go straight to the source. This is Cristiano Armand. He's the president and CEO of Qualcomm. Do you get a better sense of the quarter and what comes next? Mr. Armand, welcome back to Mad Money. Very happy to be here with you, Jim. Okay, so Cristiano, I'm taking a lot of heat. I've been backing you. I back you because I think you have a vision. I back you because when Apple needed chips, they ended up having to come to you for all of it for next year. I know they're going away. But I back you because of automotive. And I back you because of Internet of Things. And I feel like some people are saying, I'm backing the wrong horse. What do I tell them? All right. What's important to understand, when we look at this earnings season, we had a good fiscal 22. We got a good quarter. We actually came in line with revenues. Now, we're guiding down for the December quarter. And the guide down is important to understand the two things that are happening. It's really the market. It's not things that Qualcomm can control. And there are two reasons for that. One reason is the demand weakness. Unfortunately, the prolonged lockdowns in China. China's the largest Android market in the world, and everybody expected that will be out and by And you dominate. October. I mean, this uh, is an industry you dominate but with almost all the Chinese players. Oh, premium tier right now in the industry is all Qualcomm. Okay. Whether Samsung, the have a contract, all the Chinese, what, one the Apple, extending one more year. Okay. So, so if premium tier sells, we have content. Now, the second thing that caused the guy down, and that is the biggest thing, is this inventory drawdown. So the industry was running pretty hot. All of a sudden, demand uh, had signs of weakness, and the supply chain crisis got resolved. Those things at the same time, companies are just adjusting their policy. And really, that's what we see. We talk about, if you look versus consensus, the dollar different in EPS, mm-hmm. 80 cents is this inventory correction. That's cyclical, that's temporary. 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 I mean, but you said two quarters in the conference call. We said the trough is in this quarter, okay. maybe prolongs to another quarter, but it's a one or two quarters phenomenon. Okay. Now, the next quarter, we also have this, our share at Samsung going up, went from 75% of Galaxy S22 to about 100%. In the Galaxy S23, that's going to start to show up in the March quarter. Okay, now, uh, on September 26th, you had a very promising auto meeting. I loved it because I think auto could be the next big thing for you. But September 26th, right at the same time, business really started getting bad. Was it October that was terrible? Because like I started feeling like, wow, I should have been listening. I wasn't listening close enough. If I had listened close enough, I would have known that things had gotten tough. But I didn't hear it. All right, September 22nd. We did the Auto Investor Day, and auto is really the bright spot on the Qualcomm story right now. I know, but uh, at that let's time, be, I mean, let's be but, careful but, because auto is $1.3 billion, $25 billion is handset. Yeah, but we have a $30 billion pipeline that's going to materialize into revenue. So just have to get the new cars going in. It's a great story. But I want to go back to your question. September 22nd, when we had that, uh, for that quarter, we meet revenue. Right. It's the first time we guide the December quarter is right now. And, you know, it's, it's, we started to see, like in October, we're in November right now, that's the market change. They, everybody expect uh, October 16, the China lockdown is going to be resolved. Right. It didn't. And uh, we're just being careful. Right. But so that temporary. means hiring freeze, right? Here's but, what we're doing. But you have a lot of money. We, we have a good generation of free cash flow, especially with our licensing business. Right. I think what we're doing right now is we've been proactive. Took hiring freeze. We are mixing. We're only investing in auto and IoT. That's our growth story. Auto and internet So things. we have been actively reducing expenses in mature business. Right. And uh, we're prepared to do more if this situation deteriorated. However, I want to go back to that. 
This is an inventory is the biggest story here. I know. But how do we know? One of the things I've learned about inventory in my whole career, including when I was selling gift wrap, is that you don't know when the channel is full. You don't know when it's glutted. And there's no way to tell. I need some signs from you of this. Or maybe the answer is if you buy the stock at 100, you're buying it and you're going to get this. All right. Let me give you a perspective. Let's go back to the phone business because that's the phone business that's what's causing this. Phone business, especially premium and high tier, has an interesting dynamic. You can't be selling last year phone uh, forever. Those things have cycled. New models come in. The design activity that we have right now for premium tiers across Samsung, the Chinese, for the launches that are going to come to other year, those are new products. We're going to have to clear this inventory and you go back to the cycle. Where does it go? I mean, where does the inventory go? To, uh, to areas where, uh, uh, let's say, underdeveloped portions of the world? I mean, because, I, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I, I feel like I got too early and I should have just waited. Um, there, there's interesting thing that could happen towards the second half of the year. Uh, India, Brazil had 5G auctions, so they're okay. going to start with 5G. Good that point. has been traditionally 4G markets, and those are large-scale markets, especially India. Right. Uh, you know, uh, Prime Minister Modi announced the Digital India program. We've seen a lot of interesting, even have millimeter wave in India. So those things are going to come in, and uh, we know how that goes. Okay, well, here's what I'm continues. telling people. I said, do you think you know this business better than Cristiano? Do you think that you can call the bottom? I think Cristiano, if he says one quarter to two quarters, he knows more than you. That's what I'm telling my critics. I mean, my people say, well, Jim, how do you know? You have, you've, this is what? How many cycles have you seen? I've been in, doing this since uh, analog, going to analog to 2G. Now, one thing is important. The macro is the macro. We can't control that. that yeah. The macroeconomic, it's, and we don't know how that's going to persist. No. But this inventory correction on top, that is cyclical. And people will need phones, and they're going to buy new phones. All right. I am leaving it there. I feel like that you've made a compelling case. I know that at a certain point, it's just too cheap. Okay? That's my job, not yours. But I'm saying that right now. It's Christian Armand. He's Qualcomm president and CEO. And remember, this stock was down huge, and it made its way back just like AMD did, because that's about the inventory correction getting better. Macro, very hard to tell. Man, money's back in. Coming up, the season's nearly upon us, but this elf is working hard all year long. Eyes, lips, and fat profits. Kramer brushes up with Elf Beauty next. You seek the key, but first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard.
we have one wild and crazy earnings season, don't we? You, you miss expectations. Your stock just gets obliterated. You're surprised at the upside? Well, your stock rockets higher all around huge moves. Hey, take a look at ELF. ELF Beauty is the value-oriented cosmetics and skincare company. And last night, ELF reported a magnificent quarter, earning 36 cents per share. Wall Street was only looking for 16 cents. How does this happen? There's much higher expected sales. Then they raised their four-year forecast on every meaningful line item. No wonder the stock jumped more than $6 or 15% today to a new all-time high. I think it should even go higher. How the heck does this happen? Let's check in with, with Tarang Amin. He is the chairman and CEO of ELF Beauty to get a better read on the quarter of what's going forward. Mr. Amin, welcome back to Med Money. Thank you for having me. It's always great to be on. All right, I'm going to ask you point blank. I mean, this kind of beat is almost impossible to get. What happened this quarter to make it so that you had extraordinary numbers that no one could have predicted? Well, you know, I'll tell you, Jim, it's a continuation of a pattern. This is our 15th consecutive quarter of net sales growth, uh, growing 33% this quarter. And the real drivers, I'd say, are three things. One is our extraordinary value proposition. We make the best of beauty, make it accessible to every eye, lip, and face. Two is we have an innovation engine that can get you this prestige quality innovation at these incredible price points. And third is our ability to attract and engage consumers. We're the number one brand amongst teens, and we keep picking up more uh, consumers every day. People keep telling me, well, I don't know how to find the consumer. I don't know where they are. Uh, What is, you know, every single channel, all the younger people that I'm surrounded, be blessed to be surrounded with, know the channels. All the older people never heard of the channels. But what what are the ones you're using right now that are working? Because, I mean, I'm talking to somebody here about Be Real. They said, Jim, how can you not know Be Real? I said, because that's not what I know. How do you know things like this? Well, first of all, we have an entire company that represents the consumers we serve. We have over 75% women, over 60% Gen Z and millennials, over 40% diverse. And it's not just the company. I just got a step. I uh, just found out this week that out of 4,200 public companies, we're one of only four that has two-thirds women and one-third minority representation on their board. So we take quite seriously making sure we're reflecting our consumers, and that allows us to really live where they live. And, you know, we're one of the first beauty companies on TikTok. Uh, I think we're now a four-time TikTok billionaire with our last challenge, having 14 billion views. We're the first beauty company on Twitch with our own channel, ElfU. And we are also the first beauty company on Be Real. So we, we have a knack mainly because we have this great workforce that lives with our consumers and knows them extremely well to know how to engage them, how to entertain them, and really how to appeal. All right. Well, look, Terry, I'm, I'm going to break form here for a sec. Uh, when I hear something like what you just told me about the numbers, about the numbers, the diversity and the performance, let me ask you point blank. What kind of sexist and therefore also racist country do we have that you never see a board like yours and then you see the performance? I'm not kidding. I'm putting it right out there. It's not political. I just think there's, it, it's just too great. It ain't coincidental that you're up where you are with who you have, okay? Yeah, I 100% agree with you. And, you know, I'd love to tell you, Jim, it was hard to create a board as diverse as ours or a workforce that was diverse as ours, but it wasn't. It was easy. It All it took was intentionality and a real focus on our mission and our purpose, and that really drives us and also drives our results. People... Two-thirds of the people in this country live paycheck to paycheck. Your board must know that, recognize that, and keep prices while maintaining good, good quality, keep prices low because they know that that's who's the consumer. 
That's right, 100%. Our average unit retails on cosmetics are around $5 compared to Prestige, that's $22. Even some of our legacy mass players, around $9. So I think we've really benefited, particularly in this environment, of being able to trade down from Prestige products like our Halo Glow liquid filter, which we launched just a couple months ago. It's a higher price point for L, $14, but the only other thing like it is a prestige item for $46. Uh, we have a whole series of products that really are like that, that really take the best of prestige and make them accessible, making sure we're keeping our core prices low. And it's been a winning formula for us. Right, I'm not saying that like the Illinois Tool Works should have that, or oh, that's a great company, by the way, or Cummins Engine, but the majority of households, money is controlled by women. And the, what you're saying applies to more. I'm, I'm sure there'll be some men out there saying, Jim, it's cosmetics for heaven's sake. But if any woman is the trigger puller in the house, the board should look like the trigger puller. And I don't right. get it. Do you think that you can be an ambassador for your view, which would make it so that so many women in this country and people of color in this country recognize they got a shot at the top? Oh, absolutely. And I'm happy to talk to any other CEO, any other company in terms of our journey, because we're big believers and we know what it's done to our results. You are passionate about this. It is quite obvious that this is more than just how people look. It's a mission for you. How are you going to keep the fire? Because you are winning 50, how many, so many straight quarters. How do you keep it burning? Well, I say we keep executing our strategy, and then we also lead with purpose. One of the things I was really excited about in this last quarter is uh, we just picked up another what we call a superpower. We're the first beauty company to be fair trade certified. So now with ELF, you can get premium quality, accessible price points, broad appeal that's vegan, cruelty-free, clean, and fair trade certified. Why would you pick anything else? And so that's our mission, to keep making a, kind of, a different kind of beauty company that's going to continue to disrupt industry norms, shape culture, and connect communities. And as long as we do that and offer an incredible value proposition, great innovation, and really connect with our audiences, I think it's a winning formula. I've been doing this show for 17 years. i got a 31-year-old and 28-year-old daughter. And it's the first interview that I... I'm going to show them right now because you tell the truth. I want to thank Taranga Amin, Chairman CEO of Elf Beauty. He is the king of this, of this whole cohort, and you heard why. And I hope you are impressed by him like I am. Great to see you, sir. Great to see you, too. Thank Man you. Money's back into the break. Coming up, it's a cabinet-level conversation to come. The Commerce Secretary answers Kramer's key questions next. For better or worse, you want to follow the stock market. You got to keep track of what's happening in Washington. The Biden administration has passed some huge pieces of legislation. Think the Infrastructure Bill, the Chips and Science Act, and the Inflation Reduction Act. And this stuff has a real impact on a ton of different sectors. Although when you throw all the spending together, sometimes I worry that the biggest impact will be on inflation. At the same time, the White House has started to play hardball with new restrictions on semiconductor exports to China, along with some tough talk about new taxes on the energy industry, even if I don't see that getting through Congress. And when it comes to the relationship between government and business, there's no one in the Biden administration I trust more than Gina Raimondo. She's the venture capitalist turned politician who's now the Secretary of Commerce. She's the one who led the charge on the Chips and Science Act. She's been a reliable partner for companies trying to work with the White House. She's an advocate for business 
to hire men and, most importantly, I think at this point, women in the workforce. Tonight, we got a chance to catch up with her to get more insight into the current environment. Secretary Armando, it's a joy to have you back on Mad Money. I love being with you, Jim. I love your energy. Thanks for having me. Thank you. All right. So what's been the reception? We had Lisa Sue on from AMD yesterday. She said this is the greatest thing. What are these chip makers and what are the chip making equipment companies telling you? You know, uh, most people realize it was necessary. We can we have to protect the American people against China, period. Full stop. China has become more aggressive in what they call their military civil fusion strategy, which is essentially fancy talk for buying our sophisticated chips, which are supposedly for commercial purposes, and putting them into military equipment to advance their military. And this is uh, the most strategic, most bold move we've ever made to say, no, we're not going to stand for that. And uh, yes, it will deny some revenue to some U.S. companies. And I have talked to the CEOs of every company. As you know, Jim, I always do. We have a lot of stakeholder feedback. But it was necessary. And I think you'll see other countries follow us. I think you'll see Japan and the Netherlands follow our lead. Well, if that's the case, then what will happen is the real intellectual property in a, in a foundry, you and I both know that, semiconductor capital equipment, typically made by Lamb Research or Applied Materials, KLA, ASML. If you buy all of the equipment and the Japanese buy the equipment, the Chinese will be denied the equipment that they need to make the chips. So this could actually, unlike, say, tariffs like the previous administration, this has the impact of stopping the military from perhaps even trying to take over Taiwan. Absolutely. We know that it will. I mean, they, we're ahead of them, right? The reality is for chip design, for the most sophisticated chips, artificial intelligence chips, the chips that they need in their hypersonic missile, which they launched last year, we are ahead of them. We need to stay ahead of them and we need to deny them this technology that they need to advance their military. And that's exactly what we're doing. I am concerned that the money is great and it's a multiplier effect. Do we have enough know-how, enough people to build everything we need to do in order to take on, say, Taiwan, which really does have a tremendous, they're our ally, and I like them very much. But the amount of chip-making capacity they have versus what we have is going to take many years to reverse. How can we fast-track this money, get these buildings built, get the equipment in, train the people, women too, of course, to build? Yeah. So this is what I do all day, every day, Jim. We are looking to get this money um, out the door starting early next year. I'm hiring people right now. We have a fantastic team, top-notch team. And we starting you know, February 1st, we want to be in a position where companies can apply for the money because you're exactly right. We ha- we're in a race and we have to move fast. It will be hard. In addition, we can't just build the facilities. We need to attract the people. And so I'm also thinking about working with universities, community colleges, even high schools, quite frankly, to create the pipeline of talent. Right now, there's about 300,000 people who work in the U.S. in the semiconductor industry. We'll need double that in the next five to 10 years. We need to be producing a million engineers a year in the United States of America. And that's the real moonshot here that I'm shooting for, which is How do we use this money to work with the private sector, with universities, to develop the workforce and the talent supply that can go 
you know, keep America at the leading edge, cutting edge and maintain our competitive edge vis-a-vis China and the rest of the world. Well, one way it might be is to get the people back. I thought you made an amazing move. It caught the industry by off guard. You are seeking to restrict the use of American know-how by barring U.S. persons from supporting China's advanced ship development. You're making people either choose work for the Chinese or work for us. Did people expect that you'd do that? No, I don't think so. It's um, rarely been used before, but we decided it was necessary. So much of this industry is the know-how. These tooling, you know, pieces of tooling equipment are sophisticated, but they, they require individual engineering. You mentioned TSMC. So much of what makes TSMC great is the know-how. And so it's not just the hardware, but it's the soft, it's the talent. It's the human capital. And, United, you know, United States citizens should not be in China helping China advance their military to use against America. At the same time, don't we have to be careful? Great companies. And I know you've met with them. A company like NVIDIA, Jensen Wang, thinks the world of you, okay? Lisa Su, AMD. They make unbelievable chips, but some of them are just for gaming. We don't want our companies punished too hard here because they are the gems of our, of our entire nation. Yes. And I do talk to them all. I can, you know, we partner with all of them. We don't want to punish them at all, actually. We don't want to punish them at all, which is why I'm working so hard. And the White House is working hard to get our allies on board. You know, we can't have the, the Dutch company selling to the Chinese if our companies can't. And so we need our allies to come on board. But look, Jim, at the end of the day, if China's military um, gets what they want at the pace that they want it, that's bad for every American company. So, of course, we want American companies to lead in innovation, but national security comes first. And this is targeted, right? We didn't do this on day one. We've been working on this for a year. It is powerful, but it's also targeted to get the national security job done and not punish U.S. companies. Well, one of the reasons why I love having you on is you are a business person. You know the golden rule. There's no give without a get. These in- this industry got a lot from you, but they have to give up some of the ties they have with China if we're going to remain strong as a nation and they have a country to live in. So I congratulate you on what you've done. You have been a store from day one in making this happen. I think this is the most important business initiative we have going on in this country because I don't think people realize how much this is just national security writ large. Thank you so much, Secretary, uh, Secretary of Commerce, Ginny Raimondo. It is great when you come on the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. May have money's back here for the break. Coming up, Kramer wants to hear from you. Your calls on the thunderous lightning round. Next. It is time. It's time for the light round. Chris, we're my first calls. Rob, before I say anything, I'm stuck with that. I just need to play this out. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready, Ski Daddy? Time for the lightning round. Chris, we're going to start with Dan in California. Dan. Hey, Jimmy Kramer. Booyah. Booyah, damn, what's Dano. up? Hey, this Again. is Dano, Future Club member from Concord, yes. California. And I'm looking yes. to wonder when it's time to get back into NVIDIA. All right, now look, NVIDIA is a very controversial stock. I know it's overvalued right now. Sometimes you have to just take a little bit more than like a one-week perspective. I think a year from now, the stock could be higher, and I am sticking with NVIDIA. Now let's go to Greg in Colorado. Greg! 
Oh, hey, Jim. My stock is GoPro. Uh, being well, from Colorado, good. doing I mean, a lot of stuff. Why don't you go, go amateur with GoPro? I said sell that stock when I saw a goat on a surfboard wearing a GoPro. I said, that's it. Count me out. 95. Never look back. Steven in California. Steven. Booyah, Jim. Booyah. Hey, uh, I'm holding on to some Home Depot right now. And the Fed looks so hawkish on raising interest rates still. And, and the well, home yes, but here's the thing I look at it. If, the, if there's one group that can handle it, it is Ted Decker and his team at Home Depot. But that does not mean it won't go down. I think that the Fed is directly targeting renovation and building of homes. And that means that's Home Depot's wheelhouse. But you have to have the course, stay the course and know that it worked in 2008 and it'll work again. But you got to stay the course. I need to go to David in Indiana. David. Yeah, this is a longtime watcher and a first time caller. All right. Well, go, with go Colts. Go Colts. Uh, extremely positive top-line data results for IOMAP B in third stage, and today's positive results of a first stage Actimab A slash Clag M uh, drug for acute myeloid leukemia. I would like your views on the future of actinium symbol A. Okay, I, I, look, it's an interesting spec. I don't like hyping phase one, believe me, and I know that better than anybody. But uh, I don't like hyping phase one, but I do think they have some in- some interesting uh, formulations. Let's go to Alexander in Connecticut. Alexander. Hi, Jim. How are you? I am good, Alexander. How about you? Good. Thank you for having me on the show, Jim. Um, I am a current CCSU student, and I'm researching and studying derived potentials of new and upcoming stocks in the market. And I wanted to ask right. your opinion and predict on the future projection of the Lucid stock. I personally own okay, the stock. Lucid is losing a huge amount of money. I don't recommend stocks that are losing money on mad money. Uh, and the ones I have for my capital trust that are losing money are equally uh, as trouble. So that's just the way I am. That's my view. I've been right. I've been saying this is November 1 of last year, and I'm sticking by my view, and I'm going to Dean and Marilyn. Dean. Hey, Jim, how are you? I'm good, Dean. How about you? Oh, can't complain. Hey, Jim, I was looking at Wabash National, ticker symbol WNC. Wanted to get your opinion. Thank you. Very, very strong company. Uh, I know it's up a great deal, but uh, this is exactly what's most in demand, which is the kind of uh, trailer stuff that they make. So I can't back away from it at all. I think it's a winning idea. Steven in Pennsylvania. Steven. Jim, how you doing? Calling you from I am Ardmore. doing well, Stephen. How are you? Triple booyah, one for you, one for the Eagles, one for the Phillies. Let's go, Phils. I'll take a triple booyah um, like that. It's a trifecta booyah. What's going on? A week or two ago, you mentioned uh, some of the cannabis stocks. Uh, nothing right. really happened until this past Monday. There was a bit of a bump from, I guess, a uh, congressional message. When is a good right. time to get back in? Is it post-election before the year now. end? I'll tell you why now, because I don't know if you saw that opioid settlement, but all that could have been avoided if this country just been open-minded about cannabis. And I just think that Tilray uh, canopy, it's time, their time has come. But no, we poison people with opioids and uh, we're all paying a price. And we never would have had that happen had we been more open-minded about something that is not addictive. So I say by Tilray and I will welcome, I will welcome one Erwin Simon. First time, long time. Let's go to Nick in Texas. Nick. Booyah, Jim. This is Nick. Boy, Nick. Um, I know. You, I know your uh, your Eagles in uh, tonight will be uh, undefeated. So I uh, just wanted to quickly oh, say well, that. Thank but you. Stock you know, first, sweet, 
sucks. Nice guy. Sucks for you. You keep you keep recommending it, SoFi. And I've been wrong. Kind of like, you know, like Harrison Ford in the movie Witness, but I've been liking it down here, and they had a great quarter, so I don't understand. I mean, I'm willing to back Anthony Noto right here, right now. And that, ladies and gentlemen, of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. After the break, up is down, down is up. Seesawing sectors might be making you queasy, but Kramer cracks the conundrum. Next. All right, get this. As of this moment, my Chapel Trust portfolio now owns more oil than semiconductors. If you told me that would happen, say, a couple of years ago, I never would have believed it. Although, given how both groups have behaved this year, I wish I made the swap sooner. Sure could help the club more. Right now, we're in an environment where the oils can deliver upside surprise after upside surprise, while the semis keep giving disappointment after disappointment. There's two stories here. So let's start with the first, the twilight of traditional semiconductor stocks. What makes this so stunning? Because at the end of the day, microchips, not software, remain at the heart of America's technology dominance. Now, we had Secretary of, of Commerce Gina Raimondo on the show earlier talking about the Chips Act, the semiconductor subsidy legislation I championed from day one. Because at the time, we had a chip manufacturing shortage in this country. But unfortunately, many in the semiconductor industry didn't understand what was needed, both during the pandemic and now in the post-pandemic world. They were totally thrown off their game by COVID. For example, when we went into lockdown, there was a huge surge in demand for personal computers, and the chip makers went in all in. You can see on what they presumed was a new long-term theme. Unfortunately, it was temporary. There's only so many computers you can buy when you work from home. We got a spike in demand when millions had to work from home. So the semiconductor companies started churning out PC chips like there was no tomorrow. They thought something big had changed. But the demand was ephemeral. They got tons of double orders. Then they ended up with way too much inventory sloshed around in the channel as people stopped buying computers. Plus, there was no place to go with all that excess inventory, as you heard from Christiana Mann, who's the CEO of Qualcomm. So it just got dumped anywhere they can put it, frankly, and that put immense pressure on prices. Consider the channel to be a black hole, a mausoleum of manufacturing, and many of these chip makers were embalmed in it, from Intel to Micron to AMD, Qualcomm, NVIDIA, all favorites of mine at one time or another. What else dragged down the semis? Chinese demand for chips used to be voracious, but even that got sapped as people stopped shopping over there once the government's zero-COVID program ground the economy to a halt. The semis got fooled into making too many gaming chips when people stopped sitting on couches playing video games and moving outdoors living. The audios caught caught fire during the pandemic, right? They desperately needed new chips, although specifically what they needed were what's known as dumber chips with much lower margins. The big semiconductor companies, uh uh-uh, they're busy chasing high-performance markets. They wanted nothing to do with that. They wanted big, gross margins. Meanwhile, the outfits that actually made these chips feared being whipsawed by a shorter pandemic. They didn't gear up two years ago because they didn't have faith in the demand, and boy, did they lose out, but so did we. They could have made fortunes allowing the automakers to produce more cars, and thus putting some downward pressure on inflation, maybe even helping our friend Jay Powell. Unfortunately, now that they're finally making enough of these dumb chips, the Fed slammed on the brakes on the auto industry by making it much more expensive to get financing. I could go down the whole list. But what matters is the pandemic fooled these semiconductor execs more than just about any other industry. It's why we see these endless downside surprises from so many chip makers that used to be in- unstoppable for the better part of the last two decades. The high inventories will eventually be worked off, of course. But who knows when? 
We've sold and sold these stocks from our Chapel Trust, yet we still own too much of them, which is just incredible. In contrast, the oils keep putting up terrific upside surprises. Take a look at ConocoPhillips City, up more than 5% after a much better than expected quarter and a big boost to the buyback, taking from $25 billion to $45 billion. Hey, that would let them repurchase a, more than a quarter of the shares. Conoco is just one of the many oil companies that have shocked people with tremendous numbers, even as the price of crude has come down substantially from its highs, weighed down in part by the president opening the spigot on the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. Imagine what will happen once Uncle Sam runs out of oil, which is likely next year at this time if this, if this pumping keeps up. Look, this is a gut-wrenching market where you're punished for owning a brilliant, innovative company like Qualcomm and can make fortunes by sticking with the most prosaic of oil companies. I don't like this moment. I'd much prefer to bet on the semis than the oils. But right now, that's a bad bet. I don't like to make bad bets. I want to stick with the oils here, though, as they're printing money. As for the chip makers, I would much rather own Frito-Lay's parent, PepsiCo, or even the small independent cheese ball SPAC that is us than the chips that taste real bad and aren't meant to be eaten, or right now, owned for that matter. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to try to find it just for you, right here on Man Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.